1: Take a moment to connect with your mates, a simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football.
2: They they expect me to walk away from Luton with nothing. I'll make very sure there's nothing to walk away from.
1: go for a long right there but he's getting the kicker to on target Yeah!
3: Hello and welcome to the Oak Road Hatter podcast after what was yet another thrilling game involving Luton Town. It was of course Newcastle United four Luton Town 2. Still don't think I'm over everything that, that came our way on Saturday. It was pure chaos from, from the train up there I think it's fair to say. Um, what, a, what a game. We're going to dive straight into that um, after this intro. Um, it was a result that, with combining other results in and around us, means that we're still outside the relegation places, which is, of course, fantastic. I'm with Jamie Castle and Kieran Robertson today. Jamie,
4: how are you? Not too bad. It's been a while. you just saying off it air. It's been what a good good three weeks. Was uh, away in in the delights of the sun, or that is Mexico for for t- for a week and a half. Um, and then been back a week now, and we scored eight goals. So it's, uh, it's 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 not too bad, is it? At the minute,
3: it's that Dubai trip. I think the lads going to Dubai. I think that's worked wonders.
4: <laughs> a bit a bit Kieran, of bit of D.
2: Kieran, how are you, mate? <laughs> yeah, not bad. It's been a it's been an interesting couple of weeks. Um, and I sort of I sat down earlier, and one of my workmates and me were having a conversation. She was asking a bit about my personal life, and she said. Luton are doing well at the moment, isn't they? And then I went, yeah, I've been single two weeks and we haven't fucking lost yet. All in all, what a great time <laughs> to be alive. <laughs> Luton winning. Kieran's life looks a bit more uh, free. We are where we are. All in all, it was a, uh, a mouthful of a drive to Newcastle and back. And I, I've in fairness, I've had a lot of you message me saying, do you know what? Fair play to you for doing a near six-hour round trip or like six hours one way, six hours back. What a game to go up for, by the way. Like, we're going to dissect it shortly, but just all the miles that I personally travel, like, it's not common... where well, it is common knowledge that I'm a good two-hour drive from Luton. So every game is an away day for me. Like, Reading away was the best I got last year. Do you know what I mean? Whereas now... We're doing your Liverpools, you're doing your Manchester's, we're doing in Newcastle, but every second and every mile is worth it for a result like that, even if we didn't get the three points. So, go on, Bill, take it away. Let's get into it.
4: Kieran, Kieran just, just a quick question: What was worse? Was the six and a half hour drive to Newcastle worse, or was the what eight hour bus to Sunderland worse? Or was it? Was it? Or, 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 or was it? Or yeah, it was it? Either or, no. yeah.
2: Middlesbrough, that was so for context, that was an overnight coach. So we were playing Saturday, three o'clock, an overnight coach on the Friday night from London. So I already had to travel to London to then get an overnight coach to Middlesbrough of all places. And then we lost 2 1. (laughs) I would say that was a a hell of a lot worse, without (laughs) a doubt, because at least with Newcastle, I had the freedom of driving. I could stop when I wanted, I could go get food, I could jam to my own music. It was a great time, kind of. But
4: you couldn't get on the Geordie beers.
2: No, but equally, I didn't have the time. (laughs) So Swings and roundabouts, and there'd always be a, a caveat. But, hey,
3: we are where we are the things we do for this football club. And that, that probably opens it up to everybody watching, listening. What is the worst kind of journey you've had to get to a Luton match and endure a, a result like that that hasn't quite gone our way? I'm sure there are some similarly as bad stories to, to Kieran's there. But we're talking Newcastle. We're talking a fantastic away date. Eight goal thriller. It still feels mad to... to well, to concede four goals and still walk away with a point. Um, I think the first thing we'll get to, Jamie, were Newcastle fans because atmospheres in the Premier League this season, and uh, we've mentioned it a few times, it's been quite disappointing, but Newcastle delivered on all fronts, probably helped by the fact that it was an eight-goal thriller. Uh, But but everybody we spoke to um, before the game, after the game, great great people had lots of respect for luton um and a lot of them were hoping we stay up um, at the expense of everton which i couldn't quite get my head around but but that's the the way they seem to lean it was a a great away day and and the geordies are good people aren't they
4: yeah without a doubt i mean it's a great city one club city um perfect stadium sort of situation where it's a 15 minute walk from the station so you can have bit beers in in the city pubs and then stroll up up the slight incline up up, up to the stadium um so yeah great city great football city and, and great people and yes yeah, it's, it's the sort of club that if if my gene pool luck was was different and i was born in the area I w- it's a club that, that i would certainly go to and support um but no yeah it's, it's, it's nice to have fans that actually get looted a little bit. They, they, they've they not quite been in our situation, but they've been down to the Championship. They've experienced sort of like the lower levels of English football and aren't just sort of Premier League focused. Um, so yeah, great people. Atmosphere f- f- fantastic. I mean, for those that have been to most of the ways this, this year, like, like us, I mean, the atmospheres have been... In, like incredibly awful to be honest. You think you've been to Old Trafford for the park, sort of two staples of English football, and they were they were Dallas Dishwater. Um, so then to go to, to go to Newcastle and, and see the atmosphere that they created, yeah, okay, the, the, the eight golf really helped, but even before that, it was a decent atmosphere in the build up, and then so obviously they went one up, and and and, and, the, and the game went on as it did. Um, but all in all. Well, it's by far the best atmosphere I've experienced outside Ken Road this season.
3: The the one bit, Kieran, that uh, I know you've tweeted about since, but we were sitting in uh, Shearer's Bar. We were probably it was maybe ninety percent Newcastle, ten percent Luton or or slightly you know, more. slightly more Luton. Um but Newcastle brought out a legend, um, a legend of the club, John Beresford, to to speak about the game. Um and let's just say, Kieran, he didn't really have much of a clue about Luton.
2: Um and some of the comments <laughs> he made were, were in fact quite laughable. Like I know why you've asked me this question and you've not asked Jamie this question, but like <laughs> it was just one of those moments where like At first, obviously, he obviously got introduced on stage and evidently they do this for every home game. They bring out some sort of Newcastle legend or whatever. And at first, none of us are really paying attention. And then all of a sudden, I just heard him just say the words, something along the lines of, the pitch looks bloody brilliant and we're going to pass them to death. And all of a sudden, my eyes were like, <clears throat> okay, and before he'd even said anything else, Jamie went. It's not even how Newcastle play football. Firstly, and I was like, "Yeah, great point." Next question. Um, so then he proceeded to say that we would get beaten by three or more easily. Was that was the word? It wasn't even like comfortable. Or it was easily win by three or more goals. They would pass us to death. And he said that a team like Luton would be looking for every little advantage that they can get. They were the words out of Beresford's mouth. And the more he spoke, the more you could just see the Geordies in front of him kind of just grimacing, like, thinking, what on earth are you saying? Like, you could tell this was not a shared opinion. Like, this was Newcastle weren't a fan base that were like, do you know what? Luton, oh crap, they were not thinking that at all, and you could see it in their faces, they were just kind of looking at him like, yep, thanks for that, cheers John, thank you for digging us an unnecessary hole here and making us look really stupid, and lo and behold at full time, you just look like a massive idiot, (laughs) it's just, I know, I understand it's not like top level punditry, it's not Sky Sports, right, but... It's just the prime example, and I'll quote you, Bill. You literally looked straight at me and you went, it's a prime example that just because you're a good footballer doesn't mean you actually know anything about football. And it's true. That that is the most... If I've ever heard an opinion and thought, you're stuck in the 90s, it is that. It's just that, our Luton are this small little club and they're quite irrelevant and no one really cares. And yeah, they just play route one football and all, oh, they just need every advantage they can get and X, Y, Z. And I was just like, fella, we're in the premier league now. Reevaluate what you're trying to say and realize how stupid it sounds. And I bet if anyone, God forbid, if anyone recorded that, I really want to see it back. Cause it just, it painted a perfect picture and it genuinely had all of us, crying with laughter in the corner. Like, the only two things you could hear in this whole bar was his voice and this pocket of us in the corner just crying. And you saw fans looking at us like, God's sake, why has he gone and said that? And I was just... It just continues to prove the point, doesn't it? All we're doing every week is proving people wrong. Oh, they're going to break Derby's record. Been there, done that. Binned it off, see you later. Well, you're definitely going down. Are we? Are we actually? Because last time I checked, PSG put one goal past Newcastle at St. James's Park and we just went and slapped four past them. And at one point we were winning 4-2. And if you look at the two teams that were playing on the night of the PSG game and the Luton game, I can wholeheartedly tell you they are not very different. (laughs) So last time I checked, does that mean by, you know, weird football circle... Link analogies that Luton is greater than PSG, yes, yes, it does. And on that note, I'm going to end my tyrant and move on. I
4: think here is, I think, here has made a good point. If you slapped a PSG shirt on Chio, is that because
2: basically? I mean, <laughs> Mbappe is one footed, isn't he? So, like, yeah. He'd, probably still, he'd obviously have Dan Burn on skates. So, <laughs> I mean, to be honest, PSG is so weird. I actually, there's like an alternate one. Well, let's be fair. Ross Barkley would be their best midfielder, firstly. He's probably one of the best in the world at this point. Um, and the funny thing is, is people listen to me go, he's exaggerating. I actually don't think I am. I'm past words for that, man. But <laughs> there's a few, players, <laughs> it's a few players in our team. That I'd actually probably just put in the PSG team and go, he wouldn't look out of place. I
0: don't well, know what just that's
3: ask Dan Burn. Like. You could outright ask Dan Burn. You you're playing next week. Who would you prefer to come up against, Kylian Mbappe <laughs> or Chia? <laughs> well,
2: based, <laughs> I'll tell you what, <laughs> based off of the home game, bearing in mind Dan Burn bloody scored against PSG as well, he'd probably go. Do you know what? I'd take Mbappe all day long. Like he could not get near Chia or A at any point, and the fact that Chio actually, as good as he was, I still think he could have just got at him even more, which says a lot about how well he played, and how lucky I think Newcastle were. Like, I've seen a lot of, funnily enough, and this isn't a stain on Newcastle fans at all, because you'll understand why, it's always the Newcastle content creators, True Geordie, you're one of them, Massive idiot. the The other guy from pitch side, I don't even know his name because he's that bloody boring. The pair of them are an absolute state on Twitter. Ah, oh, we let Luton in too easy. Ah, oh, Luton of this, Luton of that. Except the fact that you just weren't very good. A lot of Newcastle fans have said that, or except that we're actually a lot better than you think we are. Like, rather than do it, like, because. This is also the same two people that, God forbid, when they made it four-four, you probably had True Geordie on a live stream somewhere doing the shush and going, "Oh, hey, hey, Newcastle love it." Like, bugger off, man! Like, there's a lot of Newcastle fans that have showed us a lot more respect, probably full time, as opposed to before the game, and that's completely fair because it's just standard stuff. Admittedly, they probably did go into the game thinking they should be turning us over, and on paper, you could make a case for it, but equally as we say with away games you just go away and you think just don't go and lose simple as that and lo and behold there's this this there was probably an overriding feeling at 4-4 where we were like we are not coming away with this at all and we were all crapping ourselves up high in the gods but Luton, as they always do, find a way to just prove us wrong and prove everyone wrong. And I'm more proud of the fact that we held on to the point as opposed to lost out on three, if that makes sense. And Jamie, we'll circle back to that that
3: Beresford comment um, because it looked about, what, six, seven minutes in that he could have actually had a point. Uh, Longstaff opening the scoring and it... Admittedly, at that point, I thought we could be in for a long day, but but I think we showed a lot of character, not just that time, but when he scored his second as well, to get ourselves back into the game. Belief levels weren't hit at all by, by going a goal down, then obviously 2 1 down. Um, as much as we can speak about the quality, and we will do, we'll get into the, the sort of individual performances. The character shown again um, in, in moments like that at St. James's Park has to be commended.
4: Absolutely, but I think for me the the was we conceded certainly in the first half but just too weak. I think just a simple ball and behind the Trippier, got got down 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 the right, squared it to the long staff and put it beyond the keeper. I think, yeah, you, you, at one 0 you do think shit because you think okay they're one up, six, six minutes gone are we gonna collapse? But. To be fair, bar the first two games and bar the Villa away game, we've not really collapsed. I mean, Chelsea—you can say we did at home, but then got back, back to three-two. But it's—it's it's very rare the season that we've that we've collapsed after conceding a goal. So you—you you do keep the faith that we can just sort of just not lose our heads and and kick on. And in that first half, bar there two two goals, have probably one or two more moments. We I thought we edged it. Um, so to go in 2-2 two, two was, was entirely fair um, and yeah, you, you can talk for days about the character that this Luton squad has shown in this, and this this club has shown altogether over the last decade that, that we've shown character in absolute abundance um, and this squad is just another squad in, in the long line of Luton squads we've had in the last 10 years that just don't know when they're KO'd really and yeah to, to to come back to 2 2 we certainly deserve to do the going half time level
3: and we do speak about this incredible incredible quality that's been on display particularly last couple of games but as you say jamie it's that resilience that's instilled into this squad that you know is so impressive it is so impressive that, that we just don't know when we're beaten and, and what what an important quality trait to have yeah. in a relegation dogfight that, that we're in. Um, Kieran, let's talk Ross Barkley again. Um, of course, we, we're we close to having a dedicated section, five minutes of just celebrating Ross Barkley and the fact that he plays in a Town shirt. I think it's not going to be too long until the club start charging like a Ross Barkley tax um, money. <laughs> that's added onto our, our match day ticket just to watch him play. He is that good. And Gareth, those cries of getting on the plane, um, they are 100% warranted. Stop flying out to watch Jordan Henderson and watch this man. Don't you agree?
2: It is absolutely... It... Jamie, I know that you like watching England and I know that you're a Southgate believer, but just let me have my five minutes here. I cannot, I I cannot fathom the idea that whilst there is multiple England internationals playing in our game or across the Premier League, and if anything epitomise Southgate, his management and his favoritism, Ross Barkley, the most informed English midfielder in the league, players like Grealish are calling for this man. What does Gareth go do? Uh, do you know what? Oh Hendo. Oh, just moved to Amsterdam. Oh. I'll have a bit of that. But don't get me wrong, Gareth. Watching PSV versus Ajax is probably a big game. We've done it. It's quality. But we all know why you were there, you little Hendo bumlicker. Like, come on. It just... And the tr- the painful part for me is there's... I envision this feeling of when that Euro squad comes out and you'll see Jordan Henderson, Calvin Phillips, and not Ross Barkley. And the only reason that that man will get a miss from the squad is purely because he's a Luton player. And it actively grinds my gears because he is just so, so good at everything. Like Jamie's dad summed it up perfectly the other day. He looked at me and went, every time he touches the ball, I'm at ease. I'm calm. I don't worry. And, I'm the, and I was like, do you know what? I'm the same. The boy touches the ball and I just look. I just stare. I'm like, yeah, you could do anything right now. You could shag my non-existent missus. You could shag my future wife for all I care. You could do whatever the hell that you like, and I will sit here and be happy about it. That's he's so good at everything, passing the ball, spreading through the lines, creating attacks, sweeping up at the back as well. This man does everything. He is literally a workhorse in our team, which is ironic because that's what people do not perceive Ross Barkley to be. But we have built this absolutely incredible midfielder out of him or bought it out of him and given him the platform to go, do you know what, Barks, you are the dog's bollocks, mate. Just go out there and show us because we know you are. We don't need you to tell us. Just go and show it to the world. And whether he's here for a year or five, what an absolute pleasure. It is to watch this man, week in and week out, playing for our football team. Like, just every time he's on the ball, you know he's going to do something. Every single time. He he got his goal, like, albeit a deflection, but he got his goal. He got his assists for Eli's goal. Just, he's everywhere. He's influential. I just, you can hear I'm rambling. I just haven't got any more words to describe this man anymore
3: well Jamie from one free transfer to another chio ogbene we've mentioned him at the start the the impact he had against the dan burn who was probably glad he got axed off in the end um it was one of those games where chio was just magic and, and continually got beyond him um he, he's such a sort of raw talent but just no one can get near him and you know, you can have all the pace in the world, but if you can't use it effectively, if your touch is poor, then then you might as well not have the, that, that level of pace. But he's so clever with his touches um, to get beyond. I think he enticed uh, Byrne in a few times and he can sort of use his left foot as well to shuffle inside or, or continue going. Um, he, he's just such an exciting player to watch. We speak about Barkley and, and how lucky we are to have him. Well, in a completely different sense, Ogbené is just as exciting, especially, you know, that that run that led to to the eventual penalty. Ogbené has been largely very, very good for us this season, but but where does that rank in his individual performance compared to this, this season? Was that his best game in the Luton shirt yet?
4: Well, I mean, first of all, I think Dan Burn probably faked Tramp in the end because he knew that if he didn't fake it, he'd get it for real at, at some point in the 90 minutes, just the, the amount he was chasing his tail. Um, but no, I think it's certainly up there. I think Brighton probably was his best for me because, I mean, I was just watching Monday Night Football before we, we uh, came on and they were just looking at his other, other attributes. Of course, yeah, he's the second fastest player in the league now because I think Van der Ven clocked higher, but he's he's up there with, with one of the, the fastest in the league um, but it's it's the other qualities it's the ability to bend your run I mean the, the the previous fastest player we had was Harry Cornick but he was caught offside five times a day wasn't he like it, 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 there was jokes that Harry Cornick was born offside but not Chio like yeah, I mean he probably was caught offside at some point at the, the weekend but it's it's really infrequent and that's so so important because yeah you've got all the pace in the world so you don't need to stand that, that one and two yards offside also, he's got that that composure in in that final third. He always he's starting to, to get that as well. I mean, the, 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 the first goal after eighteen seconds against Brighton, he knows against Estupiniano over five yards, he, he wasn't faster. He's faster over a longer distance. So, so when he put that ball in for Morris for, for the first goal against Brighton, he he pulled it in from where he did because he knew he wasn't going to get past um, um So he's got that quality now to get to get a ball into Morris, who then who got the assist for Eli. Um, but then equally over, over 30, 40 yards, he's he's rapid. I mean, God, you're looking at the highlights of the weekend and he was probably, what, five yards behind Dan Byrne with the ball at his feet and within two seconds he was five yards beyond Dan Byrne and it's just, it's crazy and I think Carragher sums it up nicely when, you know, the uh, the backs in in for a, a foot race when he's not even looking at the ball. He just, he's just, he's already off running you got Chio who's, who's sort of trying to run and beyond and Dan Byrne doesn't care where the ball is. He's thinking, right, well, I need to get as, get as many yards ahead as I, uh, as I can and as, as far as I can. And that just summed up the battle that Dan Burn was in at the weekend. Um, and I will, will come on to the power in a bit. And I saw in terms of Chio, would you put him further forward or would you leave him where, where he is? And it's, for me, I'm, I'll, I'll answer it now. I think, you, I think you, probably, you probably leave him where he is for the time being because you've you got the options up up top um and to have that pace from a, a right wing back position um is so important because it, it it gives him that distance to, to to be able to run into whereas at times I think you probably if if he's in that front three he's probably double marked or he's or he's, he's not given that, that, that time or space but at wing back he's almost forgotten about a little bit. Um but either way I think yeah he's 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 got to keep playing in this team. I know he got pulled out a little bit early in the season for Inigo and and he sort of was was um, was given time to to fully recover. But God, he's, he's he seemed like he's f- fully back to to ten out of ten, Chio now.
3: And that right wing back position, Jamie, I think that's completely changed from the start of the season. You think of Issa Cabora at the start of the campaign; we were naturally defending a lot deeper than we are now. Um, Chio, you you probably look at his start. You look at his positioning. Uh, you look at a heat map. Of of where he was involved in the game, and it's pretty much like a right winger, and it's probably you know indicative of what we've been able to do last couple of games, how brave we've been, the fact that we do, you know, step up and and play a lot higher line, a lot higher shape and that only benefits chio yeah. um, and Doughty yeah. on the left i don't think uh, Doughty had his best of games um at, at the weekend but still we took a high position he was involved in a fair few forward moves that that led to big chances um ogbene on that that right hand side and especially as well with with clark and morris playing as a two but but slightly tucked in it just allows ogbene to to get yeah. in behind time and time again and you're looking, you're looking at Sheffield United game now and we'll go on to it in a bit more detail soon. But whoever's operating on that left-hand side, they're not sleeping easy this week. There's no chance. Because... But just on
4: that, uh, sorry, just on that bravery as well, but we're allowed to be brave because of that pace in the back line. And, and Edwards, I think you said it in one, in one of the pre-match presses where we've got a lot of pace in that back five now. You've got Doughty and Chio on the wings. You've got Mengi and Osho who, are, who aren't slouches and neither's Bell. So you think... Maybe you can commit one or two more and risk maybe being being done on the counter because well one of those five will get back. Like the, Chio is is one of the fastest in the, in the league. If if Mengi or Washer was to lose the ball and someone like a, a Gordon gets in behind, okay, Gordon's quick, but you just take that gamble that one or two of that back five will be able to get back in time, um, and that's allowing us to commit one or two men forward and try and be a bit braver on the ball and take more risks in the past because of the pace in that back line. And that's so, so important to have, to have such a agile, athletic back five. Um, for me, is one of the, the top three reasons why why we're doing as well as we are at the minute.
3: And it was also great to see Adebayo grab a night for the season, fourth in a week for him. Um, what a player, what a forward. Um, Jamie, you put the tweet out as well, um, basically suggesting he is as premier league as you like now um there was sort of doubts at the start of the season whether he could adapt to premier league football and he's probably surpassed expectations in terms of how quick he has become um sort of premier league ready premier league capable whatever you want to call it um, but morris as well i think morris has been fantastic since being moved into that kind of left forward role not quite out wide but not quite central either um, picking up some really intelligent spaces and, and deserve to get on the score sheet. Um, I think I see seen today that it was the first time those two have scored um, in the same game since West Brom last season, where we lost three two. Um, that might be wrong, and if I am wrong, um, I can only apologise. I'm sort of sure someone can dig that out. But you then compare where we were at that game, where we thought we played okay, but we were suggesting you know West Brom are this fantastic team we have to appreciate how good West Brom are um the the sort of growth since there just has to be appreciated um we, we say it after every week how far we've come is absolutely fantastic but that's again another measure of how good we've been this last year or so um and it's a game again that that proves we've got very little to fear in this league Yes. Um, We've got some massive, massive away games coming up during the, the back end of the season. We've got to go Arsenal, Tottenham, Man City, all, all that. But it's a game that gives you belief that, that we can be competitive um, in, in these games where people automatically think that we can be brushed aside. That's not the Luton way. We'll go into a short break. And then when we're back, we'll go into the three polls of the week. And we'll also talk about any other business.
0: Picture the scene, all of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.
1: The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football.
3: We are back for part two of today's episode and we'll go straight in to the polls of the week. And the first one is all things Deki Hashioka. Of course, our, our... January winter signing, a fee reported to be around the £1.72 million mark. Um, Exciting prospect. But um, I guess there's question marks as to when we will get to see him involved. And that's the kind of direction we took with this poll. Will we see Hashioka involved at all against Sheffield United? Kieran, what do you think?
2: I think in the squad, yes. But Starting 11, not a chance, not for a few weeks. Um, it's tough now, isn't it? Where we were obviously just talking about Ogbene and how his revelation now as a wing back is unbelievable, and now we're sat with Ogbene, Kabore, and Hashioka as like three right wing back choices, and you kind of sit there and you're like, What on earth? How do you decide who then plays? Because, like a lot of people would have easily gone, oh, well, Kabore is back from AFCON, so chuck him in. He was he was an unused sub on the weekend. There was no sign of him coming on. Obene played the 90 minutes. Obene more than deserved to play the 90 minutes. And then Hashioka again, it's like, uh, it. we're in this, we're in a really good run of form and I'm the biggest believer in if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And in this case, Obene, a right wing back, isn't broken. So, Maybe there's a chance he doesn't even make the squad at all, actually. Now I've said that, because you don't need three right-wing backs in the squad. And if Kabore is unused half the time, who knows?
3: What about yourself, Jamie? See Hashioka coming in? Because I think what what Rob said as well, just on on Kieran's point, is that Hashioka is someone they believe can play anywhere across that back line. So having that kind of versatility, and, and you consider the central defensive positions where... Mads Anderson is still injured, um, Tom Lockyer situation, um, Dan Potts still you know, hasn't featured yet. Do you think that Hashioko is a player that, that you get on the bench just because of, of that versatility? Or do you think that he needs time still to settle in and, and bringing him in further down the line is probably best suited to to our plans going forward?
4: I think on the bench for sure. I mean, whether whether that's this Saturday or the following Sunday against United, it's going to be sooner rather than later. Because, um, yeah, you, you've you got three right wing-backs then, but you, it's all about game state. You might want to put Gio forward and put, put on a right wing-back and then you want that extra body. You've not got left-hand side cover, so could one go to the left? Um and he can play in a back three. So do you swap him for pots, for example? I mean, just, just given those options, I mean, I've just named three options in, in the space of five seconds without really thinking about it in, in detail. So just for bodies, I think, yeah, I, I think you can put him on the bench mm. just so if you're 10, 15 minutes to go and you're winning 3-0 at the weekend and you put him on just to give him some minutes and give him his debut as well. It's just all about that. That game state, whereas actually, if you're one 0 up with ten to go, you probably do way given that he's used to used to that sort of Premier League pace and environment. So you you can't beat options at this level, and I think Rob wants those tough choices to make. Um, so yeah, I, I'd, I'd put him on the bench for sure on Saturday. Starting at eleven, absolutely not. I agree with Kieran. Don't fix what's not broken. Chio right, Doughty left, and that in that back five was awesome in a minute. Um, so yeah, starting eleven for the time being is is Chios.
3: Yeah, I'd agree. I think I want to see him in the squad, but but not quite in the starting eleven. Um, I think it's the versatility versatility factor. I'd still say at the moment Kabore um, is above him in the pecking order. Um, that's without seeing Hashioka, of course. But but yeah, it'll be interesting to see. He's been been training for a while now. Um, The settling in process will will take some time. He's obviously never played English football before and and, um, taken that step further. Never played Premier League football. So that's always going to take time. In terms of the poll result, there were 47% who went yes. They see Hashioka involved in some capacity. Uh, 53% at no. We'll move on to the second poll and that is how many points do you expect us to pick up in the next five games? And and just for those that that don't know off by heart, that is Sheffield United and Manchester United at home. Then Liverpool away, Villa at home, Palace away. So three home game sandwiched into that. Two away, um, we have zero to three. We've got four to seven points. We've got eight to eleven, and we've got twelve plus as the options. Reverse in the order, Jamie. What do you think?
4: So I'm going to go. Let's do the maths. Do, do three. Chef United. One United's four. Nothing to Liverpool. Still four. One against Villa. Five. Three against Palace. Eight. That's me.
2: All right, Kieran. Um, three at Chef. One at United's. Zero against Liverpool, zero against Villa, three at Palace, and we're going to sack Roy as well. The Luton managerial curse will strike again. So I'm going seven points, which would then put us on what? 27. Oh, that sounds quite sexy, actually, doesn't it? Yeah. Not bad
3: not bad at all so running through the results of the poll we had 1% at 0 to 3 we had 66% at 4 to 7 we had 31% at 8 to 11 and we had 2% being the optimistic 12 plus we'll finally go to the third poll and it's the one that we've mentioned um mentioned sort of in our Ogbeni assessment and it is would you keep Chio at right wing back in games to come or would you prefer him higher up the pitch? Uh, Kieran, we've sort of alluded to our answers when we did speak about Chio, but but um,
2: where would you go with this one? I'd say he's probably had his best games at right wing back. Like It's not to say that he's had bad games as a right winger. But you look at now the way that Rob's trying to deploy this 3-4-2-1 if you were to look at like the heat map of a jordan clark so far he's not playing as an out and out winger on that right side he's dropping into midfield and a lot of the times creating a midfield free as opposed to 5 2 2 1 right so then the reason al has had that success is by having that extra man in midfield which gives him the extra space especially in a game like newcastle When you've got Dan Burton, you can just run it in for days and days and days and you're never going to not lose that battle. Um, So if we're playing the way we are right now, then Chier's best position is right wing back. However, I do also believe he does have something at least to offer when it comes to playing as an out-and-out right winger. I just think his best games have come on the left as well when he's played with Doughty. So if he's playing as a winger, he needs the right fullback to complement him. And I'm not sure Kabore does personally. That's fair enough. Jamie, what about you? Would
3: you say the current right wing-back position or would you say higher up as, as sort of a winger, a wider kind of supporting player for, Col- uh, for Elijah Adebayo? So? Yeah, I think what Kieran said is fair. I think
4: tactically there has been a a bit of a tweak recently. I think Morris and Clark has almost sort of weirdly forced nines off Eli a little bit, um, has given space to Doughty and Chio on in those wide areas. Um, so, in in the current tactical setup, then yeah, I think Ch- Chio's best position is that wing back role. Clearly, we're not going to play that that shape in every game. We might switch up and go back to a f- f- fairly up to speed front three, you might go to back four and then you put Gio White right mid, for example. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard to pigeonhole players. I think what Rob has done fantastically well, not not just this season, but last season as well, has just been able to have that flexibility tactically. Um, so, he'll, he'll play in both roles, no doubt, over the next 15 games or so. But in terms of the current tactical setup in this sort of three four two one, as Kieran called it, yeah, for sure, in, in that wing-back role.
3: That is certainly fair enough. And in terms of the results of that poll, we had 62% at current right wing back position and we had 38% at higher up. Um, Yeah, I think if you go on the basis of the last two games, how effective Chio has been, um, arguably two of his best performances have come in the last two and that is at right wing back. At the start of the campaign though, when we were absolutely raving about him like we were probably like we are probably now um they, they came sort of on the left wing where um he was absolutely destroying his full back um I think probably the key message is just let's just have let's just have Chio playing I think we just want him on the pitch regardless of where he is he's going to cause problems um and, and that's sort of been demonstrated the last couple of weeks um, especially with, you know, Ross Barkley playing the kind of ball and Sambi Lekonga, because I don't think we can, um, we can't forget Sambi Lekonga, some of the, the passes he has, has put out to that wing. Um, I don't know if you boys seen it, but there was there was um, somebody slating Lekonga's performance at the weekend, which I do not get whatsoever. I think he was, was fantastic yet yeah, again. And what a play he's proven to be for us as well. We'll go on to the transfer window. Um, Of course, it's now shut and we spoke about it a lot during it. Um, Eventually, it it proved to be a relatively quiet month. Of course, we welcomed Hashioka. um, We welcomed Holmes that that went back out. Um, And we also welcomed Harris. It was the three H's that came in. Um, Obviously, Holmes and and Harris were from Reading. Harris is a player that we would probably expect to see in, in... time to come I mean, you don't expect to see him as of yet he'll probably continue his development with the under 21s and the development squad um what what do you think Kieran in terms of the business done during the transfer window do you think it's about what you expected um you know you, you think of the the 25 man squad we we've got now going into the remainder of the season are you, comp- are you confident that that is a squad that keeps us up? Um, and, and yeah, I guess, how do you
2: assess how the transfer window played out? It's an interesting one, isn't it? Because I think at the start of the window, you had your Barry Moners on Twitter that were very much like, we have to make X sign, signing, we have to make Y sign in. we have to have a centre-half, we have to have this, we have to have that. And like, there's elements of truth to it. But also, again, I'll echo what I said earlier, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? Rob's made a big emphasis on how our group is so tight-knit and the last thing that you need is a bad egg to come in and ruin that mentality. So, at the moment, you've got 25 players, whether you think that Corley Woodrow is a Premier League striker or you think Luke Berry should be playing League One or Dan Potts should even be in the 25, hypothetically, they're in the 25, There are players, and as it stands, they have given everything every time they've stepped on the pitch. It's a fact. And ultimately, whether you believe that we needed a centre-half, whether you believe that Pelly's not good enough to come off the bench in the Premier League or whatever else, they're in the 25 for a reason. And as much as you think, as a fan, you know about the player, Rob Edwards probably knows him a little bit more than you do. So, he wouldn't have bought a player in to replace them unless they're the right type of player. Like, you look at the signings we've made. Holmes, I like it. I was very surprised we didn't go in for Tom McIntyre. But then, again, it shows how much I know because he's just gone to Portsmouth and they're in League One. So, you know, fine. You then look at <clears throat> Harris, again, signing for the future. And then Hashioka, he's probably the only one that's probably looking at first team, realistically, obviously, because Holmes has gone back out alone and Harris is one for the future. If we were to make any more signings, I probably would have made them more under the vein of Harris as opposed to, like, more first team players. I think that first eleven we have now, that's our first eleven between now and the end of the season we're staying up, without a doubt. And then you have this group of players who want to come off the bench and are hungry and willing to give us 20 minutes, see out games, get last-minute winners, cheers, Corley, and just do what they need to do for this season, just do the job. But at the end of the day, this season, it, we can't be that team who... We've never been that team who takes a risk in the transfer window. And like you, people can say what all they like. Oh, well, we spent £5 million on Giles and it didn't work out. Or we could spend this much on that player. And you never know, like Morgan Whittaker, for example, was a player that was sort of doing the rumours, and we were looking at double digits for him if we got him. So yeah, we could take a punt on Morgan Whittaker. Yeah, we could probably afford to give Plymouth twelve million. If we go down, then we like there's twelve million that we'd struggle to recoup potentially if he then went on for a bigger move, or it's just, I think there's been a lot of, lot pushing and shoving about the transfer window, and personally, I'm not. It's not that deep. I'm not actually that bothered as such. Like, yeah, we missed out on a couple of our targets. Yes, Zambrano didn't come in. Yes, there was a saga. Yes, we missed out on Nelson Abbey. But am I going to throw a fit and post 10 paragraphs on Twitter about it? No. Why? Because as annoying as this is going to be to some people, I do actually trust the process. I do actually trust the people that are in charge of this football club rather than just saying, oh, yeah, well... Trust the process, because everything's fine. Yeah, because it is. It has been up until now. So that that ain't going to change for me. So in terms of a transfer window, could it have been better? Yeah, of course it can. That's the same with any club. Any club's transfer window could have been better. And equally, if you look at the state of the rest of the league, how many clubs in the league actually went balls to the wall in January? The answer is absolutely no one. So then why should we then be an exception to that? Jamie, January
3: window is notoriously overpriced, inflated prices going around. So naturally we didn't expect it to be a busy month in the context of Luton, in the context of the Premier League. Were you you content with the business that we'd done during January? Did you expect a little more? Do you think we left, exited the window in a stronger position than, than we eventually did?
4: I don't think you can probably answer that last question is is yes. I think it, you'd be lying to yourself if you think we've exited the January window in a stronger position. Um, I, I mean, the argument could say, well, we, ent- we entered January without Lockyer in the camber, so exiting has just been the same. But I think if you look at the closure of the summer window to the closure of the winter window, we have got weaker because we've lost Lockyer, Lock- we've lost the camber for not sure how long for either of those. We've lost Giles, which you can argue is not a big loss because he didn't get many minutes. But then, to be fair, we've replaced with Hashioka, so that's like for like. But I think overall, we have come out weaker now completely get Kieran's thoughts with trust the process. I, I agree in sort of in general with that, that specific statement. But I think for me, I would sleep a bit easier at night if we just had that extra body in midfield and I get not Disrupting the apple cart, etc., because the squad is really, really tight. But I just think having that extra body would just help so much because we are one potentially season-ending injury away from being a bit in a bit of bother. We've seen how important Barkley and and the are, and I think the the difference with saying we've filled over other areas is because we've got someone on that shortlist that we've clearly identified that we want. No, I'll come on to Zambrano in a minute, but I think conversely, centre half we had Abbey lost out on Abbey to, to Olympiakos. It happens, like whatever. Like we went for him, played the change of heart and and thought a move to Greece was was the best move for him. We can go into, go into detail about the agents and argue that argue the toss over that, but it is what it is. That's football. I'm not bothered. Centre forwards, there was lots of rumours, but no real obvious link in terms of actually we really wanted someone. Um, so, if there's not, if there's not, if there's not a target that we think is good enough for a long-term play, then don't get him. Fine, I'm not bothered about that. But I think in midfield, there was someone that, per fairly strong rumours, and even the the director at Quito in in Ecuador said that we were after him. His agent said we were after him. That there were concrete links between us and, and Zambrano. That's not in the know on Twitter. That is just doing a bit of fact finding a bit of research that, that for me as far as I'm aware that is fact we were after Sambrano. Now a bid for one reason or another wasn't it wasn't accepted because Sambrano wanted us 15% but it seemed like a bid for Bournemouth was accepted or close to being accepted and Sambrano looked like he was making a move to England and for what for, for one reason or another that that fell through. Now when that fell through with 10 days of the window to go, knowing that we'd lost Nakamba for a currently indefinite amount of time. Clearly, he's a long-term replacement. Clearly, he's someone that we that we really want, given we went after for six months. Clearly, a lot of people agree, given that Bournemouth were after him quite publicly. United were linked with him and a few German clubs were linked with him. Whether, whether that was concrete or not, I don't know. I just think, given that, all of those things that we had someone shortlisted who we really, really want to wanted because he got to the stage that we flew, flew our chief scout out there to go and have some discussions. I just think we may have missed a trick, maybe just extending us a little bit just to get him in the door because who knows, we might get him in the summer if we stay up, but in the summer, Bournemouth might go back in for him. Some other clubs might go back in for him and that could be one that we curse as 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 one that got away so for me i would have probably upped the bid by a million or two more because it's only a million or two or, uh, it's, it's only a million or two more it's not not loads you're making four million back off Ryan Giles, so that that sort of fills the hole a little bit and that could just be the difference between either a staying up this year if we were to lose the Le- Le- congo or Barkley. And be long term. If he was the next Casado that everyone was talking about, then that that could set us up for a, a, a nice little payday. Um, so that that does make me a little bit disappointed because clearly we wanted him. He wanted to come to us. He would have come to us probably not expecting to get in straight away, given the midfield too. So for me, that just ticks ninety percent of the boxes that that, that, that we we're after. Um, so, yeah, if we'd have got some vinyl, I think then I would have been perfectly happy.
3: Let's end with um, a person that we haven't really uh, talked about for, for a while, and that's Nathan Jones. Um, he is a manager that continues to get slated um, for, for stints that he had at Stoke and Southampton, uh, probably a little bit unjust. Because of the situations he walked into, and and you probably consider the Southampton job, how things didn't improve under the, the next management goes to show that it's um, not entirely Mister Jones's fault. But he's got a new job; it's in League One with Chelten Athletic, a club that have the infrastructure, I want to say have the infrastructure that they certainly have the infrastructure compared to a lot of other League One clubs to to compete and to, to embark on a journey similar to the one we we had under Jones's stewardship. Jamie, I'll come to you first. Nathan Jones to Charlton Athletic. Did it catch you by surprise? And, and second of all, do you think he's got the, the ability to work well at that club?
4: For sure. And I'm not surprised Charlton are- a big club, best making their bones about it, despite all of the, the quote unquote rivalry we've had over the years because of this, because of various leagues and challenges in 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 the leagues that, that we've been together. Um, I think it's a great fit. He, he could have easily gone to a bottom half champ team, but we know how tough the championship is, and to to come in at this at this time of the season and keep someone up or, I mean, because at this point, there, 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 again, there's two reasons why a manager goes is either someone's sacked because the, the, the team's fighting for their life or someone's been poached by someone that's been sacked in a higher league, for example. Um, so given the time of year, etc., I think it's, it's all, the almost perfect move for him. Is somebody, someone he's used to as a club, like, okay, he, he was used to us for a little bit, but not fully, but he, there's, there's that, that tie there with the club before, um, and they've got got the foundations to to go on and do really well. You, you sort of put them in the ballpark as like a Bolton or a, or a Portsmouth. Um, good good fan base, good club, good infrastructure. Probably question marks on, on ownership, um, but that's not for us to to, to, to delve into. Um, but that, I, I think we'll do well. I think if if you look at when he came in to us as, as a League Two club, um, sitting down in the sort of the the, the, the lower half of League Two not really at any danger but it could have it could have turned dangerous if if we'd waited a, a few weeks um i think that's the exact position that charlton are in at the minute um it, it could have turned serious a few weeks if if they if they sort of didn't appoint someone pretty soon um and i think it's, it's the perfect situation for nathan i i already put them odds on for playoffs next season i think in league one um so there'll be a a, a second tier team again very soon, I think.
3: And for Charlton fans that probably have been roped into the narrative of the app, he's a a manager that's failed. Um, His only stint he's he's been successful in is is at Luton where we played direct football. Um, You can probably scratch that off because you consider how we got to the championship. Um, We played some of the best football I've seen us play. Um, particularly in that league 1 in that league 1 season liquid football at times tactically flexible um a manager that wears his heart on his sleeve and you you bet your bottom dollar that he is going to be ensuring that that, that club is competitive next season um this season will be about stability mm-hmm. it's a project that he's walking into um but yeah don't if you're a Charlton fan don't get roped into the notion that that he plays football one way um, he will assess his squad he will know how to get the best out of, of that current crop of players and um you, you think of the two jobs that he's quote unquote failed at they're clubs that didn't take a liking to him before he had even managed a game um that they, they judged him on on the appointment and the fact that he was luton's manager that was that was the the basis they judged him on um, of course, didn't help himself a couple of times with with interviews he gave, but ultimately, I think it's a, a very good appointment with very high potential rewards, and um, Nathan Jones, you might think, why are we still speaking about him? But but he did have a massive, massive impact on our club, and a big reason as to why we've got to enjoy the moments that, that we've got to enjoy. Um, so, yeah, that's finalised today's pod. We'll be back later in the week for a preview of shaft united that now becomes absolutely massive um a big thank you to everyone that's watched listened um interacted today um a call for people to continue subscribing uh, we're building up the channel nicely at the moment and it will be nice to continue doing that so yes another call to uh, subscribe like all that kind of stuff um, as we say we'll be back during the week for Sheffield United preview. It's goodbye from us.
1: The Talksport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing